Chapter Fourteen of Natalie Page. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Natalie Page by Catherine Haviland Taylor. Chapter Fourteen. Evelyn blames me. She did it," said Evelyn shrilly as I stepped through the door. I saw her carrying them she even had the assurance to smile at me and wave and as to this she waved the note that is only what i would expect from a prying thieving chit who has had no upbringing and who is suddenly thrown among people of cultivation i she stopped looked at the empty box and choked aunt penelope who was looking awfully baffled stooped to pick up one of the stockings that had fallen from the box what is this she asked in a sort of vacant tone and the question and all that tangled in its answer evidently enraged evelyn for she almost exploded with rage what is it she echoed what is it ask her she pointed at me ever since she came she went on i have been bothered amy never thought of doing a thing until she appeared amy was always but she stopped for at that moment amy came in and diverted the talk do you know anything about this amy asked aunt penelope amy looked at the box and then at me no she answered why should she asked evelyn i told you i saw the violets i suppose she took them to mr kempwood she's insane about him silly little thing i hope you will make it understood mother that if another thing like this happens she will be shipped to her backwoods town to stay i didn't do it i said but my voice shook and even to myself it did not sound convincing didn't do it said evelyn and she laughed unpleasantly where did you get the violets asked aunt penelope i told her and i looked at amy but her face was hard and she answered none of the appeal i sent her for help and at that moment i began to hate her for a cheat she has helped herself to my bracelet too evelyn accused for two days it was gone and when it came back there was a dent in it i didn't i whispered i honestly didn't but no one believed me have you any ideas about who made off with the violets asked aunt who took the bracelet i said i had and she asked who it was and i said i'd rather not tell then there was a deep unpleasant silence and during this everyone looked at me we will have to have a very serious talk aunt penelope said to me i think natalie you have allowed yourself to forget what you owe us the debt our hospitality has laid on you i contested as politely as i knew how that i had not and i added that i had had nothing to do with the violet theft whatever else i was mixed up in do you mean to tell me demanded evelyn waving the note we wrote that amy had a thing to do with this i can't believe it you didn't did you amy and again amy said no it is too childish for her evelyn continued triumphantly she plays as good a game of bridge as i do mother and she wouldn't stoop to this sort of action that we leave to people who accept everything and give nothing but trouble in some way i said i am going to pay you for everything and i could feel myself growing steadily more white for i was furiously angry and i am going home i added 
home or truth is believed and i am trusted then i looked at amy i will take some blame about the paste i said indeed said evelyn coolly her eyebrows raised why accept any since lying doesn't seem to trouble you i didn't answer and aunt penelope ran her hand over her forehead and said dear dear in a tried worried way then the doorbell rang and aunt penelope evelyn and amy all became quite every day and tried to look usual i stood silent and ignored as jane admitted mr herbert apthorpe he said evelyn quite sharply and held out his hands you could see he cared for her and was glad things were fixed as i suspect they were and i think evelyn was glad too although she didn't show it so plainly she only said oh herbert nice of you to come to see us let's go in the living-room i believe there's a fire there at that moment jane summoned aunt penelope to the telephone and amy quite naturally disappeared i went down to see mr kempwood for i was going to borrow the fares to go home but he persuaded me not to go and in this way after i had told him as much as i dared without squealing on amy my dear he said if washington had not fought out the battle of harlem heights new york might be a british possession to-day but courage and staying there saved the country and won a battle just in that way a man has to fight his battles through he owes that to his soul after he has won or tried to going is another matter but you are not guilty your battle has just begun and i think you ought to stay here until you can leave without the shadow of suspicion hurting you hoist your flag wave it hard and stick i drew a deep breath if you think so i will i said then he cheered me a great deal by saying this is simply rotten and what's the matter with them i shook my head after that i stood up i must go i said and change my clothes for dinner aunt penelope cannot excuse lateness but i need not have hurried for i had my dinner in my room it was part of my punishment and everything was cold but i didn't mind i was very hungry after i finished eating i wrote uncle frank but it wasn't a good letter i told him about school starting the next week spoke about the weather and a little but not much about missing him i didn't dare tell him how much i really did for i knew it would make him unhappy and then i told him i looked at the bug quite a good deal which was true and after i finished the letter i got the little bug put it on my desk and studied it and what it meant for quite a long while and i think it helped me i didn't feel any happier from this but i felt more courage for if a mere bug could stand being entombed for three years so that it might finally blossom out with wings and a song i thought i could just as i got up to put on my bureau i heard a noise at the window i drew a very deep breath and then stopped breathing entirely for a minute after which i decided i would go to see what was happening for what mr kempwood had said about battles made me want to fight mine very bravely and i did laugh when i got there for on top of a broom and a floor mop which had been lashed together to make height was a package it was tied there and down below poking this up was mr kempwood he did a stage whisper which i heard clearly your room he said i never dreamed it but he had known for i told him i slept over the little room which he used for an office 
Unlash the ballast, Juliet, he commanded, and I did. Then I said, I wish I could come down. He said he wished so too, smiled and waved at me, and I said I'd send him a note a little later on a string. Then I went inside and undid the package. It held a wonderful box of candy with enough pink ribbon on it for two chemises, a copy of Little Women, and a dear little box with an ivory kitten perched on top. Inside of this he had a rhyme. It said, This Thomas Cat, the mop post brings, is well-bred, calm, and never sings upon a fence at night. The box he guards is for gnats, rings, cuff buttons, studs, and other things keeps them from dust and sight and if my dear life cruel stings remember s k s friendship clings to you all right well i liked that and it cheered me up and below that i found a little wad of paper which was twisted about a silver ring it was a lovely ring the silver was so prettily fashioned and held the amethyst so beautifully and on this paper was a line which said, There's a wish on this. Put it on and see if it won't come true. I hope it will fit. And it did. I was excited and really happy. It was just like Christmas. Then I sat down and wrote Mr. Kimpwood and ate candy as I did it. Life looked so much brighter. I told him so, and how happy he'd made me. Then I lowered this by a corset lace which was the only convenient lowering device that I could find, and waited. He answered my note promptly, and he said, Dear Nat, your note made me very happy. I'd give my entire apartment and its contents any day to get a thank-you note like yours. I know things will smooth out soon. They can't help it. And meanwhile, if a feller needs a friend, she has it, can't help having it, in the apartment below. Please sleep well tonight, small girl, for we are going to the Hippodrome tomorrow afternoon at two, now aren't we? Until then, S.K. I sent down one more note before I went to bed, and because he has signed himself S.K., I called him that. Mr. Kimpwood seemed too cold for the way I liked him, so I wrote, I would love to go, dear S.K., and I added, Thank you for everything, and then I went to bed wearing my new ring and thinking a great deal about Mr. Kempwood and the Hippodrome, and I almost forgot the happenings of that afternoon, which at the time had hurt fearfully. End of chapter 14